coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. Uh, speaking on a conservative perspective, I hope this is a real learning opportunity for us uh, that we can say, you know what, <clears throat> maybe maybe we need to start thinking more than just trying to make an argument. Maybe we need to start talking about making a difference. Democracy still works. We have two black gentlemen in the South, Georgia, who are now running to be the senator, and we have a runoff election. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any the, black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a nope. token black person, a token And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you just saying thank you for grace and mercy. Thank you for this great country that we call America. And God, yes, God bless America. We thank you for that, God. That's more than words. We just believe that, and we're not perfect, but we do believe that we are the finest country on the face of the earth, and we think that you protect us, God. You cover us with your blood, and God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the freedom of being able to go and vote. Uh, thank you for that privilege. We ask that uh, you raise godly men and women to run for office that have thick skin, uh, that can put up with all the rhetoric and uh, do the do your will. Amen. Father God, we pray today uh, asking for guidance. You told us in Proverbs 3, when we put our faith in you and our trust in you, you make our path straight. We need that now, Father God, more than ever, that you would, Lord, that you would just do some amazing work in our country. Uh, Lord, help us to understand uh, those that proclaim the name of Christ, that we are to lead with our heart, not with the rhetoric. Lord, may people see Christ in all of us, even above our patriotism. And it's the name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Good. So, Bill, we have a special guest on today. We have Congressman Mark Walker on today. So do we want to ask him what happened in the election and let us give us a synopsis and we'll go from there? Yeah, I bet she has a viewpoint. So let's see what, where he's, what he's got. <laughs> well, uh, as Odell predicted, the red wave was not going to happen. I do have to give him some props on that. Uh, we uh, we do some work together and he had some concerns or questions about it. And uh, if you were looking at all the analytics, even looking at all the data, the polling and things, it, it sure looked like that. Uh, that the, and even though at this point of recording, I think the Republicans are still going to win the House. But by no means can you reference it as a red wave. 
And a lot of these candidates that have been loud and brash and name calling and things, it's interesting that those are the ones uh, that were not able to get it done. And it's very fascinating. And I hope, uh, speaking on a conservative perspective, I hope this is a real learning opportunity for us uh, that we can say, you know what, <clears throat> maybe, maybe we need to start thinking more than just trying to make an argument. Maybe we need to start talking about making a difference. And I think this is really a moment here that allows us to, uh, to look, take it on the chin, if you will. And, and people say, well, well you shouldn't be talking that way because we're still going to win the house. Yeah, but true. But if, if you look at historically, you pick up 30 to 35 seats most of the time when you have uh, that, that first midterm election with a new president. And, and here's the thing, what Republicans thought would be the winning ticket was just to get out there and bash Biden all the time. It realized it wasn't enough. Uh, you have to bring solutions and, uh, and, and, and these folks said, you know what, we don't like Biden either, but we like you less. And I think that's what a lot of it came down to. Uh, is nobody was really enthralled with either side. And I think if if the Rick Scotts and uh, the Kevin McCarthy's, if they had a chance to do this over again, I think they would have made it less about Biden and more about what the Republican vision is for the future of the country, as opposed to just, you know, continue the mockery and, and the making fun. And, and look, certainly President Joe Biden gives you um, a Chester drawer full of stuff that you can talk about. But you gotta be, you've got to be beyond that. you got to be show more maturity. And I think, uh, you know, anybody can armchair quarterback. But I think looking back, I think they've realized they made a mistake by putting too much on the Biden wagon as opposed to talking about hope and what their plan was for the American people. Well said. Well said. Odell, I know you got a viewpoint on this. Yes, definitely. And Congressman, so loud and proud. What's going to happen now? You've been there. You've been there three, four different times. Tell the audience what happens when these newbies come into office. How does it work? Well, it, it depends on, you know, certainly whether it's the D.C. level or the state level that we're talking about. I, I, I'm familiar with the D.C. level. And I think uh, a lot of these folks will come in um, and believe that they're going to be taking over D.C. day one. Well, that's just not how it works. Uh, whether Republican or Democrat, you go back to the end of the line and uh, but I do see, sir, where some of the Freedom Caucus members are looking to run their own guy, a guy by the name of Andy Biggs from uh, uh, Arizona, uh, against McCarthy. <clears throat> I don't see that happening. Uh, the, 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 it will be interesting to see the final number of this recording, how many majority votes Republicans have, uh, depending on uh, how many defectors he can have. Um, but as far as what it's, what it's like, or, or the, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming because there's so much to learn, not just what you believe policy wise, but just the procedural aspect of it, uh, of knowing what to do and, and how the process works, especially somebody that's coming uh, like I did from a non-political background. Uh, but I, I think the, the larger aspect of this is, you know, will these will these republican leaders survive will the ronna mcdaniels of the rnc survive will mitt romney not mitt romney mitch mcconnell be challenged by somebody there in the republican wing i think i uh, and then kevin mccarthy i think of those three scenarios i would put mitch mcconnell uh as the safest seat and the other two I'd put McCarthy somewhat safe, but I do think uh, Ronald McDaniel will will also get some pushback. 
I would be surprised if all three of those, I'll make this prediction and I'll probably get some, some, I'll hear something on this one. Uh, I'll, I'll be surprised if all three of those will maintain those leadership positions moving forward. Well, you know, you know it's interesting, Bill and Mark and Odell, uh, two Republicans and a good looking black guy is a Democrat, but it's interesting in that our democracy still worked. We have two black gentlemen in the South, Georgia, who are now running to be the senator, and we have a runoff election. I have my own personal views about Herschel and about uh, Warnock, but at the same time, Congressman, and I know you have a, a strong stop, so how do you feel about that? Because tell me about the, I call it the quality of candidate. And yeah. I think that's important. It, I, Bill, I think that matters. Congressman, but you're the only one of us who've been elected. Me and Bill haven't even been elected a dog catcher yet, but you've been elected. So you know, and you are excellent character. Character matters, sir. Character matters. Well, we've taken a dip where it doesn't matter as much as it used to. And you hope the American people, to your point, when you talked about democracy, we, we hope there's a recalculation or uh, that's a uh, recalibration, I should say, that's happening where once again, integrity and character does matter. Uh, if if your character and your walk as a believer or as a moral person does not match the rhetoric, I, you, people should have problems with that. Uh, but it, it, we've reached a place, and, I, and I'm hoping, I'm sensing just on the cusp, but we're going to have a little bit of, of, of a turn on this, that as long as you said it loud that anybody louder than anyone else, or as long as you uh, mocked and made fun of the people that, that, that one base or the other didn't like, we, we begin to celebrate those people, regardless of the substance of character, regardless of the, the person's lifestyle, regardless if there was a history of any other service. And I think one of the things out of this, and I want to touch on the Warnock Walker thing in a minute, but I, I hope that as we look forward in trying to find candidates, we find people who have a history of service not just a Johnny come lately who's got some kind of well-funded organization to me, the kind of people that I want serving uh, in, in whatever capacity, state, local, or national, show me a background that you've put your shoulder to the, to the grind. And you've been out there, even when the cameras weren't there, even when you didn't get the press write-ups, show me how you've served on the local level to make a difference in people's life. That's what I want to see as far as the Warnock and the, uh, the, the uh, Walker race, Look, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have a best candidate, and you have to say President Trump, that was not the best candidate, and and if, and you don't have to have political experience to see that. You can look at the numbers. When you have uh, tens of thousands of people voting for one Republican more than the other on the statewide candidate, you have to ask, well, what what's the problem there? Especially when here is a uh, a, a white Southern governor that talks with a thicker accent than my wife does. <laughs> and, and he's pulling off more black and minority votes than the former Georgia All-American Hall of Famer running back who happens to be an African-American. You have to, you have to look, doesn't mean that you're trying to pick on people or anything else, but as an analyst or something that you should be concerned about, you have to ask the question, why? Why would more black people vote for the white governor running against Stacey Abrams than they would one of their native sons who is a, 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 a celebrity, a, a legend in that part. 
Well, it goes to the point you're making. It goes to integrity. It goes to substance of that candidate. Quality candidates do matter at the end of the day. Amen. Amen. You know, you, you brought up something, Mark, uh, uh, the Trump effect. Was he a plus or a minus in this campaign? In the swing state seats, uh, he was two and six. One, two, uh, that include that one here in North Carolina, where he got in early, a lost six. Uh, and these were the people that were by the Cook political report considered swing state. He was right on two of them, and he was wrong or lost the other six, and and which is not a particularly great record. Well, you know, the North Carolina one, I, there was a red wave in North Carolina. And, um, you know, we we took over the Supreme Court. We have now a veto-proof majority in the Senate, and we were pretty close in the House. Uh, so in North Carolina, there was a red wave. There was, Bill. That's a good point. And I still think that North Carolina, with the quality candidate that we talked about, is still a three three to 5% red state. Yep. If you look at these judges that you just brought up, the six statewide judges, the two Supreme Court and the four Court of Appeals, they won by an average margin of over 6%, Wow. which was which is a pretty strong number. Uh, so, yeah, the, I, I do think North Carolina, with the right candidate, tends to go that way. If not the right candidate, look. If you look at it, uh, in North Carolina, five out of the last six senators that have been elected have been Republican, but five out of the last six Republican or uh, governors have been Democrat. In fact, uh, outside of Pat McCrory, who won, uh, I guess now uh, six years ago or so, you have to go back to the 80s to find another Republican governor. So North really? Carolina is really an interesting state. Yeah, that, that's interesting because uh, they'll put a Democrat in, run the uh the governor and then they'll have the Republicans. But, you know, one of the things that I think that which helped the Republicans here uh, was um, our economy's doing well. We're bringing in business. Unemployment is down. Uh, inflation is up, but they don't blame the, 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 you know, the state people for that. Um, so I think, I think there was some, but back to the Trump effect. Yeah. What do you, what do you, is he going to, well, I, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't announce he's going to run. Uh, but, you know, with the, uh, the point you made earlier that, you know, they, they went and started making all this rhetoric that was negative call name calling and not talking issues. Uh, what, what's your prediction if he comes out and, uh, you know, I, I think it's one thing when he has attacked Mitch McConnell and the establishment, I think there's, that's fair game. It's another thing when you attack somebody that's also respected by the conservative base, when, look, and Odell likes, he gets, he gets a little, he teases me a little bit when I constantly say I was in the room, but, but one of those times <laughs> where, where it's president Trump, Ron DeSantis, myself and some others where Ron DeSantis is talking about getting Trump's endorsement and, and Trump literally agrees in the meeting to do so, but that, but to expect that kind of worship, I'm going to use that even a stronger word than loyalty, I think is really asinine when it comes to looking at our country's history. We always want to go through the primary process. And for those in that camp to say, no, 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 you need to get, you need to bow the knee right now to President Trump. That I have a problem with that because I, I want to hear what Ron DeSantis has to say. I want to hear what Tim Scott and Mike Pence and others. That's that's the way that our republic, our democracy, if you will, works to be able to go through the vetting process. And nobody owns this. The America, one of the reasons that it's the longest lasting republic in the history of the world, it's always been built around ideals and not an individual. And for us to have the success moving forward, that's the way we've got to keep it. You know, that's the same way you're supposed to build a church. 
<laughs> it really is not around the pastor, exactly. right? And uh, and you don't kiss the pastor's ring. No, no, there's a respect there. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, th- this is like almost a pastor who was kind of voted out by the congregation and then uh, wants to come back and expects you not to look at any other candidates. Yeah. It, it's just, does it make sense? And the thing he even said about Glenn Youngkin about the last name sounds like Chinese. The thing that bothered me a lot was going after Kaylee McEnany, who's been so loyal, former press secretary there. I think it's just unnecessary to do that. And I think, uh, you know, people have tried to say, well, he's finished. And look, Trump has got a very strong group of loyalty people across the country. You got to be careful writing this off guy off. And I will also say this, I I will always include some of the great things that he done. I'm not a never Trumper, never have been. I think a lot of those guys are just really Democrats in disguise. If you want to be truthful about it, but at the same time, uh, as we just talked we'll about, we'll accept them, Congressman. We'll accept them in, in disguise or not. We'll well, they, they, them. they bring a lot of money there as well. But I just think it's healthy for us to go through this process. And I think that they're, he and his family are expecting everybody to get out of the way once they make that announcement, which yeah. is imminent. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I agree with you. We have a process and the process works. And, uh, you know, I've been involved in some legal suits. And when I first started, getting involved. I was very frustrated because it doesn't happen quickly in the legal system, but a legal system does work. Mm-hmm. If you just be patient, it does work. And, and the same thing with our political system, it does work, but you have to have a balance. You just can't name call somebody out of uh, being part of the group, but see it worked for him in the first election. No, it, it, it did. It was, it was a novelty. It was unique. The other thing is you had 16 other candidates running. Yeah. And, uh, and all 16 of those were politicians. Uh, President Trump was not. And I think that uh, attracted some people as well. And I get that and understand it. Uh, but I do think that we should, this is a moment where we take a pause. Is that demeanor, is that going to lead us to the next place? Or look, Republicans, we make up about 34, 35% of the state and probably pretty close to that around the country. For us to, for Republicans to act like they can come into the room, like they own the room or the majority. No, this is, this is about earning the right to share what it is that you believe that provides. And I, in my opinion, the most opportunity for the most communities, how you share that is important. If you come in uh, with your finger wagging in somebody's face, that's basic human nature you've lost already. So for us to uh, celebrate that mindset, I just don't think it's going to behoove us. And, uh, obviously it looks like the people have rejected that in the past. Yeah, it seems so. So you, you just said 35% Republican is the biggest amount independence. Yeah. Independents uh, are now leading. Now I, I have to go back and look at what that is nationwide, yeah. but independents are now leading. Uh, you had in the last two or three years, independents had a huge uptick. Republicans had a small uptick. I think Democrats kind of laid flat there as far as total registrations mm-hmm. we're looking at. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it is interesting that we are, we are a country divided. Yeah. Uh, we really are. Well, I wonder, you know, you, we're all living in this, this time. Uh, and I wondered if, uh, you know, hundred years ago when we were having a civil war or even more than that, how divided we were, I mean, people left the, the union. Well, they did. And, uh, I mean, you, you, you look at how many, uh, hundreds of thousands of young men's lives that were lost yeah. in this, this was not just uh, vernacular or different ideology or debate. This was, uh, this was your son or daughter not coming back, uh, to the tune of, was it 600,000 people? If I remember correctly, more than even world war two. Yeah. 
so it was a tragic time. And, and I think you raise a good point when we reflect on this, you know, a lot of times we want to walk around like all hope is lost. No, as, as Odell started out, uh, even in his prayer, uh, we have much to celebrate in this country, but it doesn't mean that we ever cease trying to make it the best place it can be either. Yeah, absolutely. Odell. Yeah. Well, we have two Republicans I want to talk about. I want to talk about Liz Cheney and also want to talk about that's on a national level. The Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson. Bill, what's your thoughts there? Because well, Mark talked about you can't just give someone something. I know President Trump said whatever Mark Robinson wants, he will support him. So does Mark Robinson, Lieutenant Governor, want to be the governor, Bill? Yeah, I think he does. Um, I, you know, Mark Robinson is a great orator. He can he can talk, he can yes. speak, he can sing. Uh, he's he's just one of those magnetic personalities when he's up there, and, and that it draws a lot of people. But you know, you've got to look deeper. You've got to get past that and say, can he run a government at that level? Can he, he's he's only had one office, and that's lieutenant governor. And lieutenant governor in our state isn't what I consider a full-time job. It's uh, he's, he's making more of it, but you know, I, I think it's, it's a place to get your training wheels and kind of observe. But uh, you know, I think if I'm, if I'm going to vote for somebody for governor, I want to make sure that they have the ability to govern. Well, I, I think sometimes Republicans and Democrats do both of this. They believe if somebody holds to a certain set of ideals, that it makes them a leader. That's not the case. That's completely two different things. Uh, I would I would almost rather work with somebody uh, that didn't have the same ideology that had some leadership skills as opposed to someone who didn't know their backside from the hole in the ground about that. And I, and I think we're at a place here uh, to Odell's question here that we've got to make some decisions about who leads North Carolina. Who has the experience, the background, the service, the, the the ability to understand the legislative process, all these different things to accomplish what North Carolina needs. That And that's not just from a, a set of political things. That's, there's a business component to this. There's so much of it. And I, and I think over the next few weeks, I think uh, we've got to take a, a long look at this. It's kind of a microcosm. We should not anoint anybody without going through some kind of vetting or primary system to be able to earn the right. That was part of the genius of our founding fathers. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out as we look forward uh, to, to moving ahead. And uh, I don't have any specific announcements to make today, but we are, we are, we're processing all the different options. Oh, that's great to hear the, uh, you know, you, you just said something that made a lot of sense. Um, and that is um, business it it's the government is a business yes and in a, and i often look at businesses as an important element of our government because they pay taxes they hire hire people they get the jobs you know the government does they do jobs but not the same as private industry Correct. so what happened you know with uh lacory was when we'd had hr2 that that bill the bathroom bill they call it uh a lot of the businesses went crazy. And, uh, I know people that, uh, when I worked uh, with the community colleges and some of the customized training companies were rethinking about coming to North Carolina because of that. Well, I think that's a, a, a two-sided point here, um, where I believe governor McCroy was trying to make sure that we do not get to a place where it's a free for all in, in some of the, the ideology that we're seeing implemented at the same time, I think corporations are scared to death 
to take a stand on some of this because of the backlash. So I, 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 I hold the corporations as, as much responsible as I do for any decision that Governor McCrory was making because same thing that happened in with the Major League Baseball when Stacey Abrams boycotted it and it cost $100 million. This impacted small businesses. And we come to find out that more people voted. She was boycotting because of a new law that she thought would be voter suppression. Well, they had more people vote this year than they've ever had. Uh, so, so that kind of mentality from the corporate world, I think they're too quick to kind of chase kind of the more radical left's position on it. And I think you have to be careful with that. But there is a business component on that. You have to understand that in North Carolina, nearly 70% of all jobs are small businesses. You have to understand what it takes and what those uh, business owners, what makes them tick, what they need to be successful, because this is, look, and I, I'll give the, some of our state legislatures uh, a, a pat on the back. We've got nearly a $2 billion surplus. They've been able to lower the corporate tax on these businesses. That's what I'm talking about when I say, how do we continue to create a, a business-friendly environment, not just for small businesses, but for some of these large companies that would look at North Carolina? Well said, well said. And, and I guess my point is that uh, a governor has to be very conscious of where he puts his feet down because the ripple effect besides not getting reelected is huge. It is. And I'll add this and, and, and wrap up my side and you guys dis- dissect it. Even in politics, I still think it's about the heart. I think that you and I can disagree on pretty much everything, but at the end of the day, that if you and I know that we care about each other, we love each other and we have the best interest for each other in North Carolina, that that washes over a multitude of of different disagreements. I'm not pr- pretending to be Pollyanna or pretend that there aren't some strong differences here, but if my motive is just to get in your face and yell at you to till I'm blue in the face, proving that you're wrong, then what have you accomplished? And and the whole aspect of sitting under this this the, the name of this common ground when there's a lack of energy or effort to find that common ground, you, you don't, you will never succeed. Amen. But when you're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to find a way to work with this person. Or when I see in Bill Gober or Odell Cleveland, man, their heart's in the right place. We may disagree. Then we've got a chance to have all the success in the world. That's what we need back in politics, as opposed to just people who, who have almost a, a hatred, certainly more than they do a heart. When we get North Carolina and, and other places back on the, on the track, it will be people who are leading, who have experience, who have the right heart. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark, Mark, thank you for making time. Yes, sir. Thank you, well, Bill. Congress, before you leave, just one thing. You taught me something, and I use it a lot, and Bill give me credit for it. Okay. I want you to be the right owner. You've taught me Odell. It's hard to hate up close. Where did you get that from? Well, I will tell you this. It's not original for me. I w- my first week of Congress... Uh, I was invited to a breakfast where uh, Governor Chris Christie at the time was talking about some of the work that he had done in New Jersey. And he talked about the intentionality of building relationships. It's not going to come to your table. you got to get out there and build those relationships, he said, because when you do, you will find that it's harder to hate up close. And that struck me in my heart. Because uh, even early in my political background, I'm like, man, I'm just going to go up there and I'm going to blaze a trail and I'm going to do this. And some of that's important, some of preaching to the choir. But ultimately, what you have to ask yourself, specifically looking back, as all of us now are in our 50s or older, in looking back, you have to ask the question, or I try to, am I just making an argument or am I also making a difference? And I think putting the culmination of understanding that 
if you're willing to lay up, even sometimes when you're not the keynote speaker, but just to be there and show that you care. One example, and I don't mean too self-adulating, when I was invited to the United Negro College President's Gala, and they called my name, blew me away for an award, the only Republican to win it. And when I got up there, they told me this. They said, it's not that we always agree. He said, they said, in fact, sometimes we rarely agree, but, but Congressman Walker, you always show up to me. That's the essence of something that if you're going to be in this political arena or any arena, show up, show people that you care. And if you do, then you have a chance to make that difference. Well said. Thank you, Congressman, for making time for us. I know you've got a busy schedule and you guys keep up the great work. You're leading by example. This doesn't get a lot of applause sometimes, but we need leaders out there like you guys that are getting there talking about these issues. God bless Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so Bill, the Congressman showed up. Yes, he, he did. Showed out, like we say in the black church, he showed up and he showed out. He preached the sermon today, Bill. Bill, what did you think? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to his church. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you know, you asked, you asked about Cheney, Liz Cheney. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't answer you, and. Liz Cheney um, is a real patriot in my mind. Um, and uh, she sacrificed her position uh, for getting to the root of January 6th and calling it out like it should be. And if she, if she ran for president, I, I'd certainly consider her as a viable candidate. Um, she certainly comes from a pedigree with, you know, her father, Dick Cheney. Uh, so yeah. um, I think, I think there's, there's something there. You know, I, I would love to see her run for the Republican nomination. I'd like to see DeSantis run. Uh, if Trump wants to run, that's that's his right. Uh, but it should be, I don't want this name calling. I, I want people talking about the issues and how are you going to resolve our problems? Name calling should have stopped in like fifth grade. Mm. And wow. uh, and when I hear that, it just, the, the you know, Trump can do, did some great things. But there's a there's just too much stuff with it that is uncomfortable. And you know, I was going to make a, a point to Mark Walker. We were talking about the Civil War. You know how we've been divided in the past. Yeah, I think a lot of Trump followers are still fighting the Civil War. Wow, that's that's an interesting statement because if you're fighting the Civil War, then a black person like myself who's descended of slaves then you're fighting something that I would have to fight back against and finding common ground because there's no common ground where someone says, I see you is even less than a human. So Bill, let me ask a question then. The Republican Party, uh, I'm not a part of the Republican Party, of course, but the Republican Party looked like you all have some, um, uh, a family meeting that you all gonna have to come and talk about some things. How do you think that's gonna gonna all shake out? You know, it's interesting. There's uh, the private back room opinions, and then there's the public front room. And right. and so I suspect the private back room is one that says we can't be calling name calling. We can't be denying uh, an election result. We can't be attacking the Capitol. Uh, you know, I think the back room is going to be very straightforward. But like Mark said, uh, Trump has a base that if you don't get in line or kiss the ring, you, you lose that base. And uh, and he's very effective at using that uh, base to get his way. And uh, 
But I don't think the problem is the base may be 20%. So there's still another 80% that can vote. So I, I think that it may be hard for him to win the primaries. And, uh, uh, and, you know, I think if he ran against Biden again, you know, Biden's got some, some things that people don't like, like getting out of Afghanistan. And I don't, I know you can blame the inflation on Biden. I think, uh, I think inflation is caused because of a combination of things. One being the pandemic, one being supply chains. Uh, and then of course, all the money we put in, but a lot of that money was put in before Biden got here and, uh, but he added to it, no doubt about it, but I think it's a combination of things and it's a worldwide inflation. Um, so it's to to lay it at the feet of, uh, Biden, I think maybe just a political to get political gain. Uh, so I've lived through hyperinflation when it was in the seventies, when it was, you know, 16, 17%. And, uh, so I've been through that and, uh, it's no fun. It's no fun. Uh, the, uh, it's hard to keep a living going when prices are going up. Uh, but the, I have faith in the fed, they'll get it under control. It'd be, it's going to be a little painful for a while with the interest rates. Uh, but they'll be able to do that. And, uh, believe it or not, they're not that political. Uh, so I think, I think it will be fine. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't like being called a rhino. Republican in name only, and no one's called me that, but I suspect people might, and uh, that that just seems unfair. I, I think I am a Republican. I'm a patriot. I love my country. Uh, I want the best for our country. Uh, I like people to play fair, uh, and if you in no no hidden agenda, I'm realistic enough to know that sometimes that doesn't happen, and. Uh, you know, uh, many friends of mine have given some thoughts that said, I can play the game. You just got to tell me what field we're going to play on and what the rules are. Not we can play the game. So, uh, you know, I think um, it's going to be interesting. It, it certainly was uh, a little uh, sobering to see that there wasn't a red wave. Um, and uh, the Democrats did as good as they did. Uh, we had a red wave in North Carolina with all the elections, um, but it's uh, where I'm at. Well, from a Democratic point of view, and just for the listening audience who does care, who do care, does care, um, Odell's dropped 60 pounds now, and I just wanted to let you all know that my good friend Bill Goble honored me this past weekend at a award ceremony event where he presented me with a leadership award with from the Rosa Foundation and we just had a good time. It was just a good time. So for those who have a friend as good as my friend Bill, you are blessed. Now to the Democratic perspective. Um you know we felt good about what happened because in a way with the, the young lady, Lake, uh, I think she's running for governor in Arizona, correct? Yes, yes. I think at the time of this show, she has been declared that she lost, correct? Right. Okay. Now, when you think about a lot of stuff, and the thing that kind of rubbed us the wrong way is like, if you ever had someone, Bill, who's like a 
a drunk uncle at the family reunion. And he's running around talking and people are laughing, but you don't know if they're laughing at him or with him. And that's that's the interesting part. And the previous president, the Republican president, he's doing a lot of talking and you don't know if people are laughing at him or they're laughing with him. And to attack the Florida governor after such a great night, I mean, that's the future. I mean, you know, I'm like, wow, this guy, Harvard, Yale. I mean, you know, this guy, hey, listen, wait a minute. He has some great ideas. So every now and then, you don't want the drunk uncle coming up to you, putting his arm around you and blabbering in your face about what he did in the past. That's the way we see President Trump. And the fact that what are you all going to do with him at the family reunion? Now, I think democracy also won. I think civility won. All those things that for this great country to continue to thrive, survive and thrive, we won, Bill. Not Democrats won, not Republicans won, America won. When we were over in Europe, we went to London for six or seven days, and then we got on the train and we went to Paris for six or seven days. Bill, if it was one time, it was 20 times, was somewhere during those couple of weeks, people were asking me, what's, what's going on with America? What's wrong with America? What's America? And what they were saying is, from a political perspective, you all's democracy, we love America. And these are people who've never been to America, but they love the American dream, Bill. And I think election night said the American dream is live and well. So the people around the world who look at America, what's wrong with America? Nothing's wrong with America. This is democracy. And you were on that trip with me, Bill, and I thank God for you. And I wore my matching hat, just so you all know me and Bill have matching hats. We had a great time. Our wives had great times too. So Bill, did anyone ask you about America and what was wrong with America while you were, you know, in Europe? Um, the uh, A couple of the cabbies did um, that we were in in London. Um, and they they didn't use what's wrong with America though, but they, they said uh, they, they watch American politics and they get to hear, you know, probably like any news report, they get the sensational things. So yes. they don't get to see the, 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 you know, the local stuff or even state stuff, but they'll, you know, they're here, Trump called so-and-so a name, or he did this thing or that thing, you know, all the sensational things. So um, I think even they got a little fed up of hearing some of the, some of the things coming, you know, I was watching, uh, I was talking to Dory and she was watching Joe Scarborough who used to be a congressman and ran for office. And, you know, one of the things that I think made a huge impact uh, in this election were the election deniers, the ones that said Trump never lost and Trump's never conceded. And that's in America. Um, you may, you may have a football game and you think the refs were horrible and stuff, but you still accept it and you move on. And uh, the, the the fact that Trump wouldn't even go to the inauguration, wouldn't even agree that he's lost when, you know, um, in the past, there's been close elections, hanging chads, you know, with yeah, George Bush Gore. Yeah, I mean, with, that that hurt yeah. me still to this day. They had to go to Supreme yeah. Court and they went and they voted uh, according to party lines. And, but he still he still accepted it and they moved on. So I think that that 
sticks in the American people uh, that, that Trump right. and election deniers. So if you look at those election deniers, none of them won. But Joe Scarborough said something interesting. When he won, you know, he'd win like 52 to 48. Okay. He'd uh -huh. have 52 and his, he would call his opponent. Or if it was the other way around, he wow. would call his opponent and say, look, it, I know I won. I know you agreed to that, but you still represent 48%. Let's work together to help the whole congressional district. And he would invite that person into the table to be wow. part of his team. And, uh, and the other way around, if he lost, he'd call up and he says, look, I represent 48%. I, I'm, I'm happy to help you any way I can. And uh, so that's what the American people want to hear. And when they hear the lake lady and those other people, you know, denying it, like there was, I saw a Saturday night skit uh, this morning on, on the news and they had uh, her being interviewed by the Fox people. And they said, Oh, you're, you're ahead. Oh, the election's great. You're behind. Oh, it's, it's a sham. It's a sham. <laughs> and then, and then, and then they would come back about a minute later and say, Oh, you're ahead. Oh, it's a great election. Everything's good. And then, you know, it, it, back and forth, back and forth. And every time it wasn't going her way, it, somebody was stealing the election. That's how I feel these folks are. Mm. And if anything, this election was probably observed by more people yeah. and watched. So for them to claim that, you know, and I was wondering, why did it take Arizona and Nevada so long to count ballots when, you know, we did it in one night? Well, they have a rule. You could do mail-in ballots the day of the election and mail them. Well, how long does it take the mail to get? Three right. or four days, right? Right. They got it. So they got to wait three or four days to get those last ballots in by legislature. That's a state legislator law that they got to do that. So they didn't have a choice on the, and that's why it took so long. And because it was so close, they had the most mail-in ballots they ever did in the history of the election. And uh, so that's what complicated it. Uh, we got to figure out how to do better than that. Uh, but it is what it is. It, it gives the optics that, you know, something fishy is going on when really it's not. It's it's just they're waiting for the ballots to come. Well, sometimes and I think our good friend, the professor said this whole concept, let's compete as political competitors, not as political enemies. Mm -hmm. He said, let's compete as competitors, not as enemies, because we all are Americans. And I think, you know, I think that is so valid, Bill, when you think about that, because he was so right that if we compete as competitors, we go as hard as we can. We uh, do things and say football holding and the ref calls it is holding the ref missed the call is OK. But at the end of the day. We teach our young kids to line up lines and go shake everybody's hands. And it's something called good sportsmanship. And you mentioned something earlier that has looked like we've gotten away from that, that if it goes my way, it's great. If it doesn't go my way, it's the worst thing in the world. Someone's cheating and everything else. And the whole thing on the election deniers and January 6th and everything, all the guys who won in 2020, you know, if I'm not mistaken, those guys never said, oh, the election is wrong. I shouldn't have won. I should have lost. You know, it's just the folks who lost who said it's wrong. I shouldn't have lost. I should have won. 
So, Bill, to Congressman Walker's point and to what I think God is doing with us on keeping the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is finding common ground. You know, I think that's why we're the fastest growing podcast in the triad mm -hmm. and in some parts of the country. Because, Bill, I think the last time we checked, how many countries are we in now? 40. We're up to 40. Wow. Every, every state in the wow. union. And uh, let me ask a question. If any sponsor ever want to get in contact with us and run their commercials on the show or something like that, how would they do that, Bill? Uh, they go to our website, uh, commonground.show, and there's a, there's a box to connect with us and just send us that and it'll get to us and we'll follow up. Well, hey, you know, so many things like that because you just finished the great um, summit. Can we wrap up with talking about that for about five minutes, Bill? How yep. do you feel? Because you bust your behind on that whole summit and planned it and everything. And wow, I mean, the audience, many people stream from different parts of the country. I don't know if we have the numbers yet on what states were represented and how many people and all that. But how do you feel when Bill gets a chance to exhale? Oh, that was it was that was a Jim Jim Allegretto who ran it for us, did a lot of work. Uh, I did a lot of work, but he did the most of it. Um, and, uh, um, the, uh, the summit was a success. I think we had, uh, eight or nine States, uh, different people. We had, uh, two States that want to do a summit in their state. Uh, we've got a request for doing another summit next year in Raleigh and in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, and we've, we've done a survey. We're waiting back for the results on that, but the preliminary indications are, it was a great, great event. We sold out. We had uh, 40 community uh, uh, relationships that came in, and uh, and then we had about 15 sponsors that paid to help uh, offset our cost. So it was, to, for me, the, for the first time, it was a great success. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, continue doing these. And I appreciate you coming and doing the closing remarks. It was very powerful. Uh, and uh, thank you for doing that. And I also want to recognize you folks. If you want to see the award that Odell get uh, on my Facebook page, I posted some photos. It was a formal event. So you see Odell dressed up and me dressed up and our wives dressed up. And, uh, and the uh, it was a great event to honor you and three other men uh, for making a difference in our community. And uh, I'm honored to consider you my friend. And uh, I love traveling with you and Bev. Dory and I love that. And uh, we look forward to see where God's going to take this whole common ground thing. There you go. Phil, let's close with this. You know, many people know that I am descended of slaves, South Carolina Geechee, and my wife's grandmother would pray. And this was one of her prayers. You know what I done ya for? I ain't got to tell you. So let me explain that. So the audience who are not a Geechee from South Carolina, who's not a descendant of slaves, what she was saying is, God, you know why I am down here on my knees. I do not have to explain it to you. So you know what I done ya for? I ain't got to tell you. So Bill, we know what God is doing with Common Ground, and he doesn't have to tell us. Amen. So with that, we say thank you for having the faith because we walk by faith not by sight so let's just keep walking by faith my friend and let's see what the end will bring fair enough fair enough i'm all in all right Bill. Okay. love you appreciate you and to the audience thank you for always supporting 
finding common ground. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, Executive Director. Jacob Sutherland, Director. Matt Golden, News Director. Chin Ray Zhang, Director Producer. And Jason Gentarola, Audio Producer. All rights reserved. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com.